Welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm excited to have you join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs in the photography industry as we dive into real conversation about photography, business, and that sometimes messy thing we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom post-production for the wedding and portrait photographer. Visit photographersedit.com. And now, let's dive into conversation. All right, Polka Podcast listeners, thanks so much for joining us today, and also a welcome to my new friend, Emily Ryder. Now, am I pronouncing your last name correctly? Is it Ryder? Sure. Yep. Perfect. Writer's I nailed it. Yes, I got it. You okay. You <laughs> Not many people can do that, so kudos well, for you. I appreciate you making time to come on the Boca Podcast today. We're going to be delving into really a topic that we should have covered in detail a long time ago. Um, but we're going to be talking about what it takes to become a professional photographer. So I'm sure we're going to be covering a variety of topics within that overarching topic um, that is applicable or that are applicable to, to a lot of people. But this is going to be a great episode for those who are just getting started in photography uh, or maybe interested in taking that leap. I'm, I'm really curious to learn more about your story based on our conversation previous to, to hitting the record button. So we're going to go there here in just a little bit. I want to get to know you a little bit personally as well. We haven't had the chance, I don't think, to meet in person. And so I get to know you with our listeners today, which is really fun. But before we go yeah. there, um, let's. I like to start the podcast episode in such a way that if if our listeners had to turn the podcast off like five minutes after they started for whatever reason, um, that they still took something away from the podcast episode. And so I'd love it if you don't mind just kind of giving our listeners maybe the hardest lesson that you learned as you were beginning your photography career, maybe a mistake that you made that you'd like to help our listeners avoid what would that piece of advice be? Yeah, I had to think about this for a little bit, which is why I was glad that you sent me questions ahead of time, because if I'd been on the spot with this one, I'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I am, um, after giving it a little bit of thought and kind of remembering back to when I was first getting started, um, something I didn't give any thought to at the very beginning of starting my business was all of the kind of paperwork, taxes, creating a, a business. I have a, a DBA doing business as name, um, Anna Dolores photography, which is not my name. So it's, you know, but it's still a sole proprietorship. So, so kind of the legal side of everything that I think as photographers and artists, we're not excited about at all. <laughs> Absolutely. Is, um, it's not, it's not fun. I still hate doing it, but it's so incredibly important. Um, I think being audited is my biggest fear ever. So making sure I'm doing my taxes correctly and collecting sales tax where I'm supposed to. And so that I think, you know, the really, um, kind of boring business side of it, not just the fun business side, which to me is like marketing and blogging and, and working on the website and kind of the visual parts of building the business, but the, uh, the technical stuff too, and making sure that you are legitimate and, um, both for your clients and for yourself. I think that's, that's one of my biggest, I wish I'd done that sooner. And I would have to hundred percent agree with you. This, this is really similar to my, if, if I, if somebody were to ask me the same question, uh, my biggest regret, if you will, um, I hate to focus on the negative, but certainly if I look back at my, my photography career, the, one of the things that I didn't do right from the get go was to consistently manage and effectively manage my finances. And mm -hmm. I paid for that. 
Um, and it doesn't, you know, the thing about these, these technicalities that you're referring to, whether it's the, the business paperwork, uh, setting up your business, or managing your finances for the sake of taxes, any of the stuff that, yes, is extremely annoying, it's busy work, it's not the stuff that you want to get up and go do right away, it doesn't have to be that overwhelming or even that complicated. The key is just doing it from the get-go. And if you do it from the start, um, it really makes a, a massive difference in minimizing the amount of stress involved and managing those elements of a business as a sole proprietor. The other thing to do, too, that's really important is to take advantage of resources out there or services out there that will handle some of this stuff for you. So, you know, getting your business started, filing that paperwork to get your business launched officially isn't that complicated in of itself. You just fill it out, you turn it in, you're good to go. Um, but especially when it comes to managing the numbers, doing taxes, there are services that you can pay to take care of that stuff for you. And it doesn't have right. to be stressful. As long as you keep those numbers up, you, you mentioned the audit. I've been audited. And mm. it, that process is so much simpler when you are actively keeping track of all the data, the numbers, your receipts, pictures of your receipts, and putting those in the appropriate folders and keeping all your tax documents in the appropriate folders. And I say folders in, in Evernote is what I'm using. Yeah. Um, but this is really, really good, good business, especially for photographers starting out. So thank you for that. Thank you for that advice to get everybody yeah. started. But let's take a step back. Um, and, and I want our listeners and I want personally to get to know you as well. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're based right now and, and where you're from originally as well. Yeah. So um, I was saying before we started recording that I am a California girl. Um, I have always lived in California. I've been in different places in California and I have done um, some traveling, uh, which I'm, you know, loved and very excited that I've been able to, you know, and been lucky enough to go to some other places. But, um, but I was born in Los Angeles and um, raised nearby in Ventura County, which if anybody is in Southern California, it's a little bit south of Santa Barbara. I went to school down in Orange County, worked in Los Angeles again for a while, and then I'm actually now back in Ventura County again, um, just about a half hour south of Santa Barbara. I came back here when I started doing photography full time, partially because my parents still live here, which we can talk about in a little bit because it relates to another question. Um, but um, also just because it's a beautiful place to be that you don't appreciate when you're growing up. And I think a lot of people probably feel that way that wherever you grow up, if it has a lot of natural beauty, you don't see that when you're in high school and right. you're bored and there's no movie theater or something, <laughs> um, <laughs> which we did not have in our town growing up. I uh, grew up in Moore Park. But now that I'm an adult and I can appreciate being near the beach and being near some great um, you know, small businesses and great places to eat. And Santa Barbara is an incredible town and an incredible place to be doing weddings. So I'm pretty happy with that decision. <laughs> You're a pretty lucky girl, but I, I can absolutely relate to that notion of not appreciating where you grow up. I think mm -hmm. back, so I grew up in Japan. I spent about 10 years there. Awesome. And the last place that I lived, I shared a second floor room with one of my brothers. And if you looked out our second story window, you could look across the bay, which was the Pacific Ocean. Uh, we were in southernmost main island of Japan in an island called Kyushu. And you'd look across the bay, and there across the bay was one of the most active volcanoes in the world. And it would actually go off three, four times a day at times. Um, and this was the That's kind of... amazing. I, right? So but cool. <laughs> here I am like 12, 13 years old, and I just don't appreciate it enough. Because yeah. I actually spent most of uh, the time that I spent in Japan, I was spent around that area. And 
and so you get used to it, but then you're too, I was too young to, to really truly appreciate it too. So I, I totally get that, but you are in just an absolutely beautiful part of the country. We were talking about this before we hit the record button. I think I'm going to have to just start hitting the record button the moment I call our interview <laughs> so we get all the good stuff. Um, right. but we were talking about this before, um, before we started the interview and, and that, that area, I mean, you just look left and right and straight forward and in back of you and there's just there's somewhere beautiful everywhere to, to photograph in and the light is so easy to use uh, and you happen to be a wedding photographer too and you know it's it's easy to look at those wedding photographs that are coming from the west coast california in particular especially that area that you're in in southern california and get jealous very very quickly <laughs> i consider myself very very lucky to uh to be here to have grown up here to you know have the uh good fortune of again being close to family here um so i don't have this urge to move somewhere else to be you know to be with the people that i love and um uh, but then I'm also gifted this beautiful, magical, amazing light to, uh, to create beautiful photos with. So, uh, very lucky. And, and just, you know, the drive from where I live in Ventura to Santa Barbara is, um, along the Pacific coast highway, along PCH, wow. the ocean is right there. And I, I laugh at myself sometimes because it's such a stunning drive, but I do it so often that sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah, when I was the ocean. But then if I'm driving during sunset or something when the light is particularly oh, stunning and I'm yeah. like, okay, obviously this is incredible. Like I have to try to not crash my car looking at my, <laughs> looking at my rear view of the beautiful light and being like, what can I pull over and take a photo of right now? <laughs> it's amazing. I know I actually made that ride out. Uh, I, I rented a motorcycle in LA last year and oh, made that's that. Cool. Yeah. I made yeah. that ride from LA to Santa Barbara and it was at around sunset and oh my goodness, it's just, it's mind blowing. It really is incredible. It's if killer. you guys, for those listening and if you've never been out there before, you definitely have to make a trip out there. But I, I, I want to jump back to a conversation that we were actually having via email prior to jumping on here for, the, for, for our interview. And one of the things you said was that you've been in business for five years. I hit the ground running, shooting weddings full time, and I never looked back. And this kind of the simplicity um, innate to that statement is really interesting to me because a lot of photographers, when they're considering or potential photographers, when they're considering getting into the profession, there's a lot of apprehension and understandably so the idea of not only putting your art out there, but also starting a business and being responsible for that and responsible for generating income for yourself and maybe for your family. That's a, that's a big leap, but you just, it, it sounds like you just made this big leap and just <laughs> jumped right in. Um, tell us a little bit about how you got into photography. I, and I think a lot of photographers can say this, so it's a little cliche, but I always loved having a camera in my hand um, from a very young age. I, had a little Kodak uh, 110 millimeter film camera that I was really into when I was, you know, very young. I totally um, remember those things. Yeah, right? weren't they kind of long and skinny, and and the the film yeah. was yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, my amazing associate photographer Rihanna actually found one and gifted oh, no it way. to me on like our first Christmas together, which we laugh about. She's my work wife. We you know we spend so much time together. That's but, awesome. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so she found one and she put it in like a shadow box for me. I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, yeah. So just from that point on, I was always that person that, you know, annoyed my friends with how many pictures I was taking. And I was like, I was like the person with the iPhone before an iPhone was a thing, you know, just taking pictures of literally everything. What really pushed me into considering it more seriously as a career path and something I wanted to do all the time I, uh, I was in a job in Los Angeles. I worked at a, an architecture college, and, um, and I hated it. 
it was terrible. It was a terrible job. I was there for two years, which for a job you really don't like is pretty rough. Um, and so at the time, I just needed something that fulfilled me when I came home from work, something that, that I could be passionate about because I wasn't getting a lot of personal satisfaction out of my job. So, um, so I invested in a little bit nicer camera. It was a Samsung NX10 at the time. I thought it was really fancy. <laughs> camera. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I was shooting on auto with it still, but I was having a great time and I just really enjoyed it. And um, I remember one day at work thinking, okay, how can I have this exit strategy for my life? Because I was also in a relationship at the time that I needed to end. That I was like, okay, I'm kind of done with this relationship. I'm done with this job. What do I do? How can I, how can I, you know, what's the best way to transition from this stage of my life? And um, I actually got fired from my job that day. So, um, <laughs> was that they, totally just unexpected, like out of the blue? It was, it was, uh, it was shocking for me because I'd never been fired before, but I had received some warnings because they could tell I wasn't into it anymore. Uh, I've always been like, I always got A's in school. I've always been like a really good, you know, very intrinsically motivated employee. Um, so it was really, really tough for me to be at this job and, and have somebody say, you, you know, you're not doing a good job. You're out of here. But it was really because I was already starting to build my photography business. I was working on my website during work hours. So it wasn't, I wasn't, you know, the shock of being fired didn't necessarily mean I was like surprised or thought it was uncalled for. It was completely appropriate, honestly. Um, and and so, would you say that, I mean, and maybe this is something you're going to get into later in our conversation, sure. but would, would you say... I mean, would you actually recommend to those who are in a place where they're at a job, they're considering or even planning extensively on leaving and getting into photography, would you say get out sooner than later to avoid something like this? God, yes. Yes, 100%. And, and the thing is, you know, and I was kind of talking to my boyfriend last night about this question, about this very question, laughing, because I'm like, I'm not really a good example because I got fired and I kind of got lucky and I had somebody else make that decision for me about like when to go full time, because that is the big question for a lot of people who want to get into photography is, well, what's the point at which it's smart for me to end whatever day job I have right. to go hundred percent into running my own business or focusing on photography in whatever capacity that is that they choose to do. Um, and again, like I, I literally had it handed to me and again, I, you know, I cried the drive home. I was traumatized. I'd never been fired before. Like I said, I was super freaked out. Um, but I called my parents and we talked about it and I realized the, uh, the huge blessing that it ended up to be and how happy I am now in hindsight, that was really one of the best things that could have happened to me really ever, honestly, because who knows how long I would have stayed at that job kind of contemplating my options. Um, so I do think, uh, you know, a more broadly applicable lesson to be learned from this is that it doesn't, you know, I know there's so many considerations, there's financial considerations, obviously, um, that I think are the big thing that keep us in those jobs for longer. Um, and the stability of it, of course, like having health insurance and that sort of thing and right. not having any of those things all of a sudden is very jarring and, and can be upsetting. But, um, but if this is something, you know, you want to do and that you're passionate about, and that was the thing is that before this all transpired, 
I had gone to a mentor session with a photographer, a wedding photographer down in Orange County, California, who I really admire, uh, Mark Brook Photography. And I sat with him for maybe four hours, him and his wife, um, Candace, and like I brought my little Samsung camera and he looked at me and he very nicely was like, you cannot shoot a wedding with this. Like, this is not successful. <laughs> and I was Ego like, okay. crushed. <laughs> oh my gosh. When he, you know, he was, I laughed because he was talking about, you know, he uses the Canon 5D Mark III. And I remember thinking, does he name his cameras after himself? Because his name is Mark. Like, I didn't know what he was This is how green and new to the whole oh, thing. Oh, man, that that's was, awesome. I didn't know anything. So, and I, after that mentor session, again, I was still at my day job at this point. I, um, I apparently am a very emotional person because I cried all the way home from that situation as well. <laughs> but, um, but because, and I was, it was just, I was so overwhelmed by all the information, but in a very empowering and profound way because I just knew I was going to do it. I had so much I had to physically do, so much information that they'd imparted on me. And I'm to this day so grateful for their guidance. And, um, you know, the first couple weddings I shot were alongside Mark um, as, you know, an assistant. Uh, but there was just, I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta get new gear. I gotta do this with my website. I'm going to advertise on Facebook. I'm going to start it, you know, doing this thing for a thousand bucks. Cause I've never shot a wedding before. And, um, so got a little off track with that. Um, <laughs> but it was the point being that if it, this is something, you know, that you want to do and that you feel that strongly about like, this is, this is where I'm going to be happiest in my professional life, then I do think kind of sooner than later is, is the thing to do with the day job because it's one of those, you know, I think it's easy to just kind of get stuck in it and then you're there for maybe much longer than you really wanted to be. Um, I also, am, you know, that's, I think it's easier for me to say all of this too because I um, am not yet married. I don't have kids. Um, I don't have that family to support. I just had to worry about myself. Um, I ended up moving back in with my parents a few months after all of this happened because I was living with my at the time boyfriend. So again, like I said, I was looking to end that relationship as well. Right. Uh, so it was a big life transition for me, um, you know, five, five or six years ago. And, um, I'm so lucky and so thankful that I was in the position to go back and, and stay with my parents for the first I think it was like the first year and a half that I was really launching my career because I didn't have any income, but I also didn't have any bills really. Like, you know, I, they were really, really supportive of me. And, um, you know, and this was like a, like a second, third career path choice that I'd made. I wasn't 21 when this happened, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> right. late twenties. I'm now 33. Like this, you know, this is, I felt like, kind of an idiot having to move back in with my parents. But at the same time, it was a means to an end. And I'm so incredibly grateful that I had these various opportunities that created an environment in which I could say, okay, I'm doing this. I'm going to go full time. I'm going to be a wedding photographer. No looking back. For so. sure. Well, I think you made a good point earlier too. In, in your case, you had, as you said, such a wonderful uh, cushion, if you will, in your parents mm -hmm. that enabled you to make that move where you had minimal financial responsibility, it allowed you to focus on building your photography business. But for those that aren't in that particular situation, it is absolutely vital that, yes, you are you are following your passion, but that you also have a plan in place to, 
I guess, responsibly manage your financial situation. Make sure that you're making ends meet. Make sure that you're going to cover the bills. You don't have to be rich. Um, you know, mm -hmm. if, if you're waiting to be rich before you make that move, you're, you're probably going to wait forever. <laughs> well, but, and that's the other thing. You know, a lot of people, like I remember when they said, okay, cool, so you should cheat your first wedding for a 1000 bucks." And I remember thinking, a $1,000 for one day of work? This is amazing. And I got so excited. <laughs> Little did you and know. Like, I know. And I'm like, I'm going to be a millionaire. And I'm just like, you know, <laughs> despite what many of our brides think when they are paying their, you know, wedding photographer bill uh we're not rich like we really you know not not a lot of that comes back to us so you know this isn't a career that's going to make you super super wealthy either necessarily i shouldn't i shouldn't say that as a blanket statement and i am hoping to you know have a, a successful fruitful um allow me to retire type of business but um but the key there again is being intelligent about it and i guess that's yes. a good way to just to sum sum that up make the move if you need to make the move but make sure mm. that you've got a plan in place to back that up. Um, that's absolutely vital. I was actually in a not too dissimilar a situation when I went full-time with photography, wedding photography. I was working a job at the time that I actually I wasn't fired. I quit uh, because there was some dishonesty that was happening. It was a small business, and I, I said, I'm, I'm done. And so I left. I came home to my partner at the time and said, uh, I quit. <laughs> yeah. and, and fortunately, she was she was working a job. So we still had the support there necessary to make things work. But um, you got to make sure that's in place in some form or fashion. But then definitely make the move. And, uh, and, and at the end of the day, again, as long as you're intelligent about attention to detail when it comes to setting your business up appropriately, having a plan, a system in place for managing your finances. And really that's just, that's as simple as buying a QuickBooks online account and um, hiring an accountant to, to help you with your quarterly taxes. And as long as you're keeping that stuff up on a, on a weekly basis even, or you know, even every couple of weeks, make sure all the numbers are entered in correctly, you're going to be fine. And, mm -hmm. um, and then you can focus on marketing your business and beginning to shoot those events, shoot those weddings. So I'm, I'm a little bit curious before we get into, because I really would like you to share with our listeners, again, especially those who are either just getting started or want to get started in professional photography, some of the, the lessons uh, or pieces of advice to keep in mind as they are getting started, just as you did. But how did you, once you, once you left uh, or you got fired from your job, what did you do to begin booking those, those weddings? Oh man, I was, I mean, it's like if you wanted to pay me or even if you didn't want to pay me, if you wanted me to be at your wedding, I was there. I was very, I made myself very, very accessible. Um, I, you know, if somebody contacted me and they said, I have $500 to spend on my wedding, I'm like, cool, great. Let's talk about it. Um, so I was just really, really open to any and every opportunity. And I put myself out there originally, I think my first few weddings I booked off of Facebook ads um, at the time, which five years ago, to be fair, it, it, they're different from what they are now. I don't have a lot of experience with current Facebook ads, so I don't wanna just blindly advocate for them. But at the time, that was what was working for me. I also knew a little bit about search engine optimization already, so I knew about putting, you know, the right keywords in the right places. Of course, I didn't have a lot of um, self-education about what other photographers in my area were 
what keywords they were using, how much competition for keywords that I was necessarily up against, but I at least had that like in my head. Sure. I also was at this age where a lot of my friends were starting to get married. And so I did a couple friends weddings, um, either for free or for very cheap. And that helped me build my portfolio. And I did, I just did some paid advertising, honestly, good old fashioned paid advertising. I was on Wedding Wire for a few years. I think Wedding Wire is an amazing place to start if you were just getting started and, and a good place to continue to advertise as well, honestly, because they do get a lot of traffic and they get a lot of inquiries. Um, I think that I got a lot of um, interest from that site in the first couple years of my business because I was so flexible on budget. Um, and I would get some clients who, you know, were around very tight budgets for their, for their wedding, which I completely, you know, I get it. Weddings are crazy expensive and, and it's kind of obscene the amount of money we spend on weddings, but that was kind of the niche I was filling for the first couple years, um, that I was, that I was shooting. I just wanted to get out there and practice with my camera and take pictures of anybody who would let me, um, so that I could build my portfolio and show more people the work that I was doing. So I just really, it was like a guerrilla warfare for me. I was yeah. just like, how can I possibly annoy people with how much photography I'm doing? And I just, anywhere that, that would take me, I was, you know, I started submitting right away to wedding blogs. I, you know, my first um, wedding blog feature on Style Me Pretty was less than a year after I started. So I was really excited about that. Um, so just really, really, you know, advocating for myself and just paying, paying where I needed to. And again, you know, that, that creates some smart, um, you have to, you know, have some smart investment decisions. Wedding wire is not cheap. Um, Google ads are not cheap. Um, you know, you have to kind of think about where you want to go and what kind of clientele you want to attract before you put money into that kind of stuff. But, um, but yeah, that was, that was kind of how I got my first few clients was just Facebook, wedding wire, kind of those almost entry level type advertising opportunities to just get, get the ball rolling and, and get more practice. Well, and you, and you mentioned the idea of, of looking for a particular segment of the market, a particular type of client. And the thing about Facebook advertising for those photographers who aren't already using it, that's really, really powerful is you can get extremely, extremely specific about mm -hmm. who you are showing those ads to. So if you're going to run Facebook ads to advertise your photography business, um, that is one of the most powerful platforms when it comes to specificity and actually ease of use as well. Uh, but the other point that you made about putting yourself out there, being willing to shoot for little to nothing, I think is really important to keep in mind as well. It is important for both developing your skill set as well as developing your portfolio. And those, op those opportunities to photograph, whether you're making a little money or if anything at all, are mm -hmm. going to be those events, those <laughs> sessions that enable you to continue to build your business. Because if you do a good job there, even a half decent job there, and you create a positive experience for those that you're interacting with, whether it's friends or family or otherwise, mm -hmm. um, then you have the opportunity to build your business on, on word of mouth as well, in addition to this advertising that you're talking about. So the willingness to put yourself out there and, and not make a million bucks right away, I think is really important to keep in mind for the beginning photographer. Now, if you go to your website, it, it says, I think it's on the about page or the about section, it says, we aren't just photographers, we are wedding. And, and you put wedding in all caps, wedding photographers. <laughs> this is our yeah. specialty and we freaking love everything about weddings. Something that we talk a lot about on the Boca podcast is having a very distinct brand position. 
Um, now, there are a lot of wedding photographers out there, but some photographers just have a website and you don't necessarily get the feel of what they specialize in. And this, in mm -hmm. this case, you've made it really simple, really, really clear. You are a wedding photographer. How did you land on that brand <laughs> position, that specialty? Yeah, so I, a few years, like I said, photography is kind of like my fourth iteration of professional life. Like I had other jobs before in other, um, you know, industries and areas of interest. For a while, I actually played with the idea of being a wedding planner, um, just really based off of like the Jennifer Aniston movie, or not Jennifer Aniston, Jennifer Lopez movie, yes. right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it looks super fun and you meet cute boys and you end up with Matthew McConaughey at the end <laughs> and it's just so glamorous. Anyway, and um, I just really loved weddings. Like I just thought weddings were beautiful and fun and I'm definitely a romantic at heart. So I loved, you know, the, uh, the tradition behind it without, you know, keeping things too traditional, if that makes sense, sure. like, the, but like the, the connection with family and the, the, just the celebration of it. And I still have a pretty strong connection to those things about weddings that I really, really love. And that just make me so happy to be there. But I did a lot of, um, of different types of photography too, when I was first getting started, because again, I was like, do you want to give me some money to take your picture? Perfect. Like where, where do we need to go? What do we need to do? So I was <laughs> right. doing family sessions. I was doing other things. Um, I very quickly realized I just didn't love, I didn't feel the same rush or the connection with any other type of session I was doing than I did with photography. Um, so I also really liked doing still life and, um, and fine art type photos. Like I've, was on Etsy for a while, just selling photo prints, like his art prints. Um, and I just found that that was, that's such a niche market. And that is really, I think really, really hard to make money in that market and sustain yourself with a career. Um, at least it was for me. That was the experience I had. I didn't really see a lot of opportunities for advancing um, my company or my work. Um, so I was like, okay, I think I have to start taking pictures of people. Like <laughs> there need to be people in these photos, um, because that's what people will, uh, pay more money for is images of themselves. Like not just a fine art piece, but a fine art piece that has them and their loved ones as the subject. And so, which makes a lot of sense. You know, you want to document all these different parts of your life. You don't necessarily just need a pretty picture of something. You want something that you can connect to emotionally. And that's going to be something like a wedding, um, the birth of a child, your family, as your kids are growing up, so on and so forth. So sure. it, it makes a lot of sense to me. And I just personally ended up connecting more with the wedding portion um, of those different life stages that, again, you know, young people falling in love and, and having this wedding and inviting all these incredibly, you know, everybody who's important to them to celebrate with them. And then also, of course, uh, the pretty details that end up coming along with the wedding. Um, I love taking photos of people, love taking portraits. But I also love that weddings are pretty and there's flowers and, and, you know, and place settings and calligraphy items for me to play with. Invitation suites are one of my favorite things ever. Like I get invitations and I'm just like you could lock me in a room and I'd be fine. I just, <laughs> You've got all these invitations on, on your refrigerator Seriously. at home so you can share them all the time. <laughs> I just like gaze at them. No, I mean, I have my clients send me. So I have them send me their invitation suites ahead of time. 
so I can get an idea of what the vibe of their wedding is going to be, but also to make sure that I get the invitations, period. Because, some, you know, there's so many things you have to worry about on the wedding day. I have to remember to bring stuff. So I'm like, send me your invitation ahead of time. I'll bring it to take pictures of it. That way you don't have to worry about it. And that way I just have it, and I know I get to take a picture of it later. So um, all of those different little elements kind of came together to make weddings the best fit for me personally. And I have also met so many cool, incredible people who I wouldn't have met if they weren't looking for a wedding photographer, if that makes sense. Like we met because I was offering the service that they needed. And we've become, I've become friends with these people who, again, our paths wouldn't have crossed otherwise. And I think that's a very cool thing too, to actually have this connection with clients and be part of their journey in planning their wedding, in celebrating the day together. Your photographer spends more time with you on your wedding day than almost any other vendor. So you really like have to have this connection with them and be friends with them, right? Like ideally. <laughs> so true. It, it's amazing yeah. to me still when I think back to my wedding photography career, the the intimacy involved in the relationship that I had with with these people. You know, the fact that they let you in on what is one of the most important days of their lives, and and you become like family. Yeah. And and uh, it's it's still. I mean, it's humbling really to think back to those relationships and the fact and the way that they would let us in. It's just absolutely amazing. So yeah, incredible opportunity. Yeah. And, and that's definitely, um, you know, that's again, the rush that I get from weddings is just unlike anything I ever really experienced, um, from things like family photography and other types of portraiture. We still get requests for that, um, quite a bit, um, especially from past clients who loved their wedding photo experience with us and come back and want newborn sessions or maternity or family. And we'll do some of that, but really only for past clients, um, because we love that relationship we've built with them, of course. Um, but I just, yeah, I just like to make it as clear as possible. Like I took off any mention of offering family photo. You know, when I first had my website, it had everything on it. Anything I'd ever shot was on my website. <laughs> <laughs> like look at everything I've done, you know, and, and as you build your portfolio and start to narrow in on a focus a little bit more, I just learned, I'm like, I don't want there to be any confusion about what I want to do most. That's and so that great. is to book and shoot weddings. So and, yeah. and that is a really good piece of advice for those photographers who are either just getting started or even kind of building on their career. Maybe they're a couple of years in. Um, I totally understand the idea of, of just pretty much photographing anything you possibly can, especially if it means you can generate some income uh, initially. Okay. But if you can get to a point where you're, you're developing a specialty, it's going to make it a lot easier for you to market your services uh, and also refine your workflow, your processes. So that you can not only build a business, but build an efficient business. And uh, it's a lot easier to build an efficient business when you have a very focused business. Uh, so I love the specificity, the s simplicity with which you very clearly state that you're a mm -hmm. wedding photographer. That is your thing. I I've told the story multiple times over now on the podcast, but I can think back to when I went to wedding networking meetings uh, here in the Chattanooga area. I live in Chattanooga, mm -hmm. Tennessee, in this area. And um, photographers, it'd be multiple photographers at a networking meeting and they'd get up and they, they'd say, you know, as they're introducing themselves, they would, in, they would say, I specialize in and then list off, you know, three, four or five different types of photography. Mm -hmm. And at that point, those other wedding vendors, whether, whether they're planners or coordinators or florists or, or otherwise in the room that are listening, they, they st start to get cross-eyed, right? It's easy to just see that person as yet another photographer, 
And the last right. thing that we want to be in the minds of clients, potential clients, and those vendors that we want to develop working relationships with is just another photographer. And so the importance of developing a very specific brand position that sets you apart is really important in building a business. So this is, this is a good reminder. Now, I'd like to jump to kind of an advice portion of, of our conversation, because what I, what I really want our listeners, again, especially those that are new to the photography industry or getting ready to dive in, um, I'd, I'd love for them to have really specific pieces of advice beyond what we've already discussed um, to keep in mind as they are considering starting a photography business or, or have just started and, and are trying to figure their way uh, through the process. I'd love, if you don't mind, just kind of expounding on some of your earlier advice and, and giving our listeners a few big ideas that you think they should keep in mind as they launch their photography career. Yeah, definitely. That's that's a big one. Um, <laughs> three key pieces of advice. So I, you know, the first thing that I am compelled to talk about is um, relationships with vendors, building those relationships making those people happy. Um, when I say vendors, I mean what specifically for weddings. I'm talking about wedding planners, florists, videographers. I think it's really easy for us to feel combati combative with videographers we're working with because we're kind of working for the same goal. But I try to say, yes, we are working for the same goal. We've been hired to create some visual memories for this couple. We need to work together and not fight each other for the good shot. So true. And, um, and as I've grown, um, the, as the company has grown, I have transitioned a lot of my business from being paid advertising to now being, of course, word of mouth referrals. We all know that that is kind of the, you know, that's the goal, right? Is you just book weddings off of people loving you, which is wonderful. Um, but not just that, but also from wedding planners referring me when clients are booking their initial vendors, they book their venue and their wedding planner first. So if I'm going to be nice to anybody, it's going to be the wedding planner and the venue because that's going to be usually next is the photographer. And so um, I have been very fortunate, but I've also worked very hard to secure relationships with vendors, um, with wedding planners in the Santa Barbara area whose work I love who we get along personality wise. I think they're really great people. I have fun working with them, which to me is like, oh, how can we make a wedding better? Uh, shoot it with your, fr like you're there working with your friends in addition to this amazing couple who has accepted you into their family. It's just like, you know, piling on more whipped cream on this cake. Like it's just how can it be better? <laughs> and so, and I realized like it does get better because if you're working with professional, other professionals who you respect and enjoy their company, it, you know, it, it's exponentially better. Um, and so, and then the, so I'm getting referrals from these wedding planners and then the additional uh, reward for me on top of that, um, not even just booking the wedding, but I know that that wedding is going to go super smooth. I'm not stressed about it. I'm not worried about the timeline. I know how everything, I know everything's going to go well because I know this planner, I know he or she has, has it together. Um, so I think if, again, specifically for wedding photographers or any kind of event photography, um, building those relationships with venues and wedding planners is huge. And if you, it's, it seems almost too easy sometimes, but we literally, my, uh, again, my associate photographer, Rihanna and I, um, she works full time with Anna and Dolores photography as well. 
we've literally just taken a couple planners out to lunch and been like, we love your work and we want to work with you more. And that has worked. Like, to me, it's like too simple. Like, <laughs> like this can't possibly work. It's going to sound like a gimmick. They're not going to believe us. But but it's it's, it's so true. And it, it, yeah. I, I like how how straightforward and honest you were with them as well. I think, you know, this idea of kind of playing the, the networking game, uh, but being... I don't know, just kind of underhanded about it and instead of doing what you did, which is to just be really straightforward and say, hey, first of all, I'm going to add value to your life, at least immediately be giving you a free meal. But right. but, <laughs> but but saying, hey, I, I want to work with you. I respect your work. I think you're a cool person. I'd love the opportunity to work for, work with you. How can we make that happen? And, yeah. and being really straightforward about, about that upfront, I think is really smart. So I think that's great advice. And I can remember too, I think something else for the newer photography to keep in mind that's really important about these relationships with wedding coordinators is that if you develop a good relationship with a, an intelligent coordinator, they're going to be able to continue to work with you as you change your prices. Getting new business from referrals from your clients is great, but if you continue to raise your prices, you're shooting you know weddings for $1,000 and you go up to $2,000 and you go up to $3,000 or whatever the case may be, you're going to price yourself out of, well, likely price yourself out of what is the income bracket of the friends of that bride you just photographed. And at yep. that point, you can't so much rely on business from that previous client. So the wedding coordinator, knowing what you've now changed your prices to, assuming you've communicated that with them, they can now refer the appropriate client or clients, potential clients to you. And that's really important as well. We had a, an incredible working relationship with a local coordinator who, I mean, it was almost like a business partner. She was so excited about us, but she knew okay. us, she knew how we worked and she could refer the right clients to us. And we loved working with her. She was incredible to work with. And it was just the best of working relationships. And, um, it, it, you know, you said it's, it's kind of simplistic to suggest that you need, just need to develop relationships. But at the end of the day, despite all the incredible technology that we are now experiencing in 2017, relationships are one of the most important elements of running a success, successful business, just any business, really, but particularly right. a wedding photography business. And uh, so I think this is a really great first piece of advice. Take us to the next one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think that this is actually probably a pretty similar um, piece of advice is the uh, the concept of community over competition. Um, I think that's a big trending thing right now. At least it is in California. We've got like a hashtag that's like community over competition. Yeah. Um, that uh, that embraces everybody that you're working with, even if they have the same potential job as you. I'm. I know a lot of photographers in the area and we're, and we're maybe not super close. Like I do have a, actually a couple of super close friends that are wedding photographers, but even if they're just acquaintances or whatever, it's like playing nice at the sandbox and just, we're all here for the same thing. We're all here because we love weddings and we love connecting with our couples. And I have actually gotten quite a few, you know, I'm kind of cutting to the, to the, financial reward of all of this is like getting referrals, but it's also very fulfilling personally, professionally to go home from a networking event and having chatted with wedding photographers about like, Oh yeah, what, what lab are you using? Cause your film scans look amazing. Or, you know, I love you, the new logo looks really, really great. Like congrats. You guys just did a workshop. It looked amazing. How did it go? I'm thinking about doing one, just having that type of community, with the same people who are doing the same thing in your profession, other wedding photographers or 
videographers or other portrait photographers or whatever the case is, create opportunities to connect with those people. I really hate the word networking, but unfortunately it's a necessary evil. But it doesn't have to be this kind of fake, hi, how are you? Like you just really like Yes. Uh, like you love on everyone, like just develop. Of course, you can be polite to everybody, but you're not going to necessarily have a connection with every person you meet. But you can develop some of those. Really, you're going to meet people that you're like, oh, like with any friend in the world, you connect with somebody like you're really cool. I want to hang out with you more. Um, and don't not do that because it's another photographer. They're not going to steal your business. I mean, they, you know. There are people out there who are underhanded, unfortunately, but the likeliness is that they're on the same page as you are in terms of wanting to be supportive and wanting to grow business and you can support each other. It's the whole concept of, of, you know, a rising tide lifts all ships, um, that there's enough weddings for all of us to shoot. And there are different clients that we're all going to fit different needs for. And I actually really love when I'm talking to a client. And they say, you know, I'm really looking for this type of editing or this type of approach. Is that something you do? Or I'm looking for a videographer. Do you do that? Or what do you suggest? And like, you know what? We don't do that. But I know somebody who does. And I would love to send your info. And to hook up that client with somebody who's going to be a better fit from that for them is, I mean, incredibly rewarding. You know, I said in the beginning that when I first started, I would just book anything that wanted to throw money at me. And I'm just like, yes, I will take it. What do you want me to do? But I also compromised a lot of my own values when I did that. And it was okay at the time because I just needed to get work and build my portfolio. Um, as I've grown and the company has grown and my bookings have increased and my clientele has changed a little bit, I want to prioritize working with the types of clients who are closest to our mission and closest to our own values. And if I meet someone who has a different idea of what they want their wedding images to look like, I would rather set them up with someone appropriate for them and everybody wins. I'm happy. They're happy. The photographer I referred is happy. The photographer that I referred might refer me somebody later. Again, I've gotten a lot of referrals from fellow photographers who are friends that we've hung out and we appreciate each other's work. And just having that, that, again, community over competition, and it does go very closely with the vendor relationships, but playing nice with the people who are in your industry, it's a very small community when it comes down to it. Um, it's been actually, pre even in, in giant Southern California, it surprises me how much overlap there is with people I've even done one wedding with three years ago, and then they come up again, and it's, you know, there's, there's a lot there. And if you, um, you know, are more competitive, or a little bit more aggressive, or or any kind of kind of approach that's putting people off, that is your that's the impression you're giving to people, and people are going to remember that. They're going to tell their friends about it. Unfortunately, yeah, word so, gets around a lot easier than it, it ever did. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, so that would be I think my next little nugget of um, a suggestion. Yeah, I, um, I, and I think you really summed it up well too. I, I can still think back to. One of the first experiences that I had in the local wedding photography market, and again, Chattanooga, Tennessee, little tiny market, very, very traditional when I first got started. Mm -hmm. And there was a photographer that was part of the local community who was very much a traditional wedding photographer. I, I remember he carried, his name was Barry. Uh, it was so kind to me. He carried these, uh, th this massive, it was, uh, we were shooting film at the time, and, and he was carrying, I think it was an RB 
six no six by seven it was six by seven so medium format this massive medium format Huge. camera yeah <laughs> and then on a that was sitting on a flash bracket then with a big flash on top of it this is the the biggest rig i've ever seen a, a wedding <laughs> photographer carry um he was he was shooting with that and then i think i was and, and he invited me to come along with him to, to shoot second and um I, or, or maybe it was even just to, to help with the light but the, yeah. the thing that st- sticks out to me about that experience was that here in this traditional market where people were upset that these these newbies these wannabes were you know quote undercutting the industry by charging too little money and and this and that they're complaining about us and here was this guy who had a reputable studio who was a talented photographer and he was like you know what come along come along and and come with me to this wedding and um you know you can help out you can see what i do and that that element of kindness um was just it was so it was touching and it was impactful. And of course, giving, I was able to gain some perspective that I didn't have prior. Uh, it, was, it was such an amazing experience. And to be able to continue to pay that forward, I hope I have in some form or fashion, helping okay. other photographers in different ways, um, I think is really important as well. But yeah, developing relationships, as you said, to begin with, but then part of those relationships should be with photographers, other photographers, and others in your industry. And and don't be so quick to assume that they're going to somehow undercut your business. There, right. there are probably two point, uh, I think the last number that I saw was about 2.1 million weddings in the U.S. Um, that happened in 2016. There are a lot of weddings to go around at a, a variety of price points. Um, yeah. Focus on the relationship. Um, give, give and give and give. Help and share and be kind. And uh, karma is a real thing. It, we'll, you'll, it you'll definitely absolutely find that out. is a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I remember, like I mentioned, the first couple weddings I shot um, were with Mark Brooke photography, but also um, I had friends who were getting married at the time. And um, the very first wedding I ever put on my website was my was um, a good friend of mine. They just had their second baby a couple months ago. Um, but at the time they, they got married, and I asked them, like, can I show up with my camera? And they said, absolutely, please do. We're so excited you're going to do this photography thing. We support you. But they had already hired a professional photographer. At the time, I saw no problem with this because, you know, I'm just going to come and take pictures also. I'm not going to be in your way. I just want stuff for my portfolio. I am so embarrassed that I did that, um, that I, you know, once I kind of learned that that's really not cool to, like, show up and be another professional um, fled, of course, fledgling at the time, but still to show up with my gear and be up <laughs> and moving around during the ceremony, uh, that was not cool. <laughs> and right. I just didn't know better. And it was like, I mean, we're talking like six months later, I, I figured it out because I was shooting a wedding and, you know, we all get those Uncle Bobs over the shoulder who have their nice cameras and are kind of, you know, and I've had experiences with that since. And the more I have those experiences, the more I reach out to this particular photographer and I say, I am so sorry I ever did that to you because I just didn't know. And I sent her a Christmas present that year. Like I felt so terrible. Um, but she was so gracious about it. And so like, it's okay. Like you're the sweetest, don't worry about it. Um, so to just kind of have this overall presence of kindness and friendship and, um, accommodating different styles and different price points and different skill levels and recognizing that we've all been at that beginning point at some point, I can't get, I can't get mad at these photographers coming in 
saying, I'm going to shoot your wedding for $500,000 because I was that photographer five years ago. So I'm not going to do that. Well, and let's um, keep in mind, too, that there there is a massive, massive portion of the market that is extremely underserved, actually, that, that needs yeah. a $500 wedding photographer, a $1,000 mm-hmm. wedding photographer. So it's easy to kind of put put down the notion that, that photographers are, are shooting those weddings, but there is an actual need for it out there. So it's good that we have some of those photographers as well. Yeah. Not um, everybody has $10,000 to spend on their photography. It like, is very so few true. People it so. is <laughs> absolutely true. And and no amount of, of preaching the importance of art is no, going to change that. So It's not going to change how much money they have in their pockets. So. Not at all. Not at all. Well, take us to the, to the third recommendation piece of advice that you have as we close out this conversation. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, I would say that this is really just it's I mean kind of maybe almost like a stupid (laughs) stupid recommendation because it's pretty obvious um but at the same time sometimes it is is something I lose focus on um just serving your clients and and knowing that everything that you do is made possible by their support of what you do that they see your work and they get it and they're willing to pay you to do it. And that's what enables you to keep doing it. And sometimes I get wrapped up in like the art of all of it. I'm very like, I'm an artist and I'm very creative and I have a vision and it's like, okay, yes, you have a vision. You've been hired for that vision, but this is also this person's wedding day. Like I just say that to myself sometimes, this is a person's wedding day. This is such an important big deal of a day. They've spent however many thousands of dollars, not just on you, but on every element of everything that's happening around us right now, on the venue, the food, the um, drinks, the table linens, things you don't even think about if you're not in the wedding industry. And they are trusting me as their photographer to commemorate and immortalize all of that for them. So if I get stuck in my own vibe of like, well, I just want to make good portraits and take beautiful photos of flowers and that's all I'm going to do, like that's not serving your client. Um, and I think there's a balance of that, of, of taking photos for ourselves to fulfill ourselves as artists and, and advance our own careers and creative um, you know, exploration. But we also have to remember that we are being paid for a service. And, um, and I think that there are some photographers and I've, I've experienced it a lot more recently. I don't know what's in the water right now, but, um, photographers who either don't love doing weddings or just doing it to pay the bill and show up and kind of do a half job and go home, which makes me so sad because of how passionate I am about weddings. I'm like, how can you do this and not love it? I feel like a wedding day would be torture if you weren't into it. Um, so, you know, there's, something else that they kind of allow to interfere with that client experience. And that to me is, is so, so important. And that's the reason we are able to keep doing what we do. And, um, so again, pretty simple, <laughs> pretty straightforward. But you know, so, sometimes the, the advice that we need to keep in mind, I was thinking about this earlier today. Sometimes the advice that we need to keep in mind isn't earth shattering. It's not complicated. Yeah. It's not technical, but yet we don't always do it. You know, and and mm-hmm. so I think this is a really great reminder, and it's it's a theme that I've I've, I've heard or or seen in my conversations with photographers as of late. It's that idea of setting aside ego, because you know, yes, sure, we we are artists, or we categorize ourselves as artists, and we want to create something interesting for ourselves, and I totally get that. And and the cool thing is, running a business effectively, focusing on serving our clients effectively 
isn't mutually exclusive from being an artist. The cool thing is if we're, if we're running a business intelligently, if we're taking care of a client, which is going to translate to continued growth of our business, then we're going to have the freedom and the flexibility to practice our art, even if it's not necessarily in every single environment that we want to. We may be shooting a wedding in which we don't get to exercise all of our artistic creativity, but we've served the client, we've made them happy, they support us financially, and now we have some time and the finances with which we can then go travel to you know Italy and, and explore our creativity there, whatever right, the case may be. Right. But this, this idea of art and business or art and structure or art and service kind of being mutually exclusive I think is ridiculous and and photographers yeah. egos are really getting in the way i hear these conversations about uh, the, the one that, that seems to kind of pop up relatively regularly is the conversation about meals vendor meals and these expectations <laughs> that photographers have of being served they're the ones that are there to, to to serve and that are being paid to serve and yet they're there expecting things in return and I think it's just the wrong mentality. I think it's getting in the way of a happy career. And I think it's getting in the way of a growing career. And right. so I think this is a really great reminder, not just for beginning photographers, but photographers as a whole. And uh, so I, I really appreciate you sharing it. Um, just to kind of recap the three points of advice, focusing on relationships with vendors, absolutely vital, taking it a step further, being open to and developing relationships with photographers, not being afraid of community over competition, and then really just summing up that last point, keep ego out of it, serve your clients, and it will pay dividends in your business. This is, this is really good advice. I really appreciate you making time to share with us today. Um, will you let our listeners know where they can find your work, your website, Instagram, et cetera, online? Absolutely. So, um, like I said, my company is Anna Dolores Photography. Um, my name is Emily. I get called Anna all the time, but that's what I get. It's named after my grandmother, my great grandmother. Um, my website is Anna Dolores, A N N A D E L O R E S dot com. Um, and all of my social media is linked right there from my website. So I'm just at Anna Dolores on Instagram, etc. But all of that is is easily accessed from my from my website. So perfect. Yeah. Thank you so much, Emily, for making time to do this today, uh, Thank for sharing you. your ex both your experience, being really vulnerable about your experience, but also sharing wonderful advice with our listeners. Uh, thanks for so much for doing that for us. I, I hope that it's helpful to uh, to someone. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. Please let us know what you thought by leaving us a review in iTunes. If you'd like to hear a particular photographer or entrepreneur in a future episode, don't hesitate to email me, nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom post-production for the wedding and portrait photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.